It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. I think we should just roll with that uh, for this segment of the program. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood and uh, just a little shift in terms of things that actually matter. Uh, It's so easy to get caught up in the hype, the rage, the anger, the frustration that is in so many uh, places and spaces in our politics and, you know, even in our communities. And uh, had the opportunity yesterday to uh, sit down with Court Mann, uh, journalist, uh, part of the Deseret News team. And he uh, has spent a significant time going through an interesting aspect of Mr. Rogers that I think is really vital. It's something that I firmly believe in, and it's this idea of letters, whether it's a handwritten letter, a typed out letter, sending letters through the mail, uh, I think is an extraordinary way to make a difference and, and to connect in a deep and personal way that you cannot do in a text message or even a phone call for that matter. And uh, so there's a, a brilliant piece up on Deseret.com today. We'll share that on our Facebook page as well. Uh, but Court Mann uh, took some some real time to dig down, to talk to uh, Fred Rogers' uh, widow and to many of the people who were close around Mr. Rogers uh, through his heyday and, and the uh, all the events that happened in the neighborhood. But it was really an amazing look at uh, his life and his legacy through letters and the people that he connected with, uh, old and young, uh, in so many different ways. And so here's a little bit of uh, Courtman responding to uh, how did Mr. Rogers respond to all of these letters that came in? His letters that he wrote to other people, which are truly um, astounding in their in their scope, is really a testament to what he really believed, which is that every person mattered yeah. and um, that every person's feelings and thoughts and experiences were really valid. And the way that he responded to the letters um, was really telling because he would respond to every single thing that a person wrote. Um, one of the people I interviewed who was a journalist who had a friendship with Rogers um, said that if you put something on the fourth page of your letter, Mr. Rogers would make sure that he responded to something that you had said on that fourth page. Wow. You know, there was no, there was, there was no stone left unturned. Yeah. You know? Uh, I love that, that if someone sent a letter to Mr. Rogers, uh, it wasn't just a quick response of, hey, thanks for writing, appreciate your support, thanks for watching. Uh, it was very detailed. He would go through, as Court said, a four-page letter and respond to some of the items on the fourth page of the letter. Uh, so that that's one thing that was just really extraordinary to me. It's something I didn't recognize or realize about Mr. Rogers uh, in all of those years. But then we started talking about just the sheer volume and what a real commitment this was for Fred Rogers. So, yeah, uh, the word that I think I use in the piece is preposterous. It seems preposterous on its face when you think that Mr. Rogers could have actually literally written individual replies to some 200,000 people. You know, for scale I, I, in the story, I, I, I say that the largest uh, 
you know, stadium in the world is in North Korea and it currently seats 114,000. Yeah. Um, and you think about, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, in my mind, what I picture is I think of the, I think of Freddie Mercury and Queen singing at, you know, at <laughs> Wembley stadium Yeah. and that, that whole arena full of people, which is not even as big as this other stadium in North Korea. Yeah. Right. And to think that that uh, Mr. Rogers did that, it seems uh, it seems baffling. But really, when you when you get down to it, um, no, Mr. Rogers did that thing. He wrote to that many people, somewhere between forty thousand and and two hundred thousand. But um, however you cut it, it's pretty remarkable, and it's a testament to uh, the consistency and the discipline with which he lived his life. I just can't even imagine that two hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people that he uh, corresponded with. Uh, it's just amazing. You think of those letters and uh, the impact that they surely had on on so many. Uh, Court went on to to interview again some of the key people in the uh, orbit of uh, Fred Rogers, and I want to go. Uh, let's jump down to uh, well, actually, let's let's do Alexandra Claren, who was a part of his staff, on how authentic the dialogue was and how real the relationship was uh, in this in these correspondence. Rogers, I think, is very interested in, in authentic dialogue, and, and he, you can see in the letters especially how he kind of rhetorically situates himself always as learning from the letter writer and, and learning, you know, how the letter is informing him and his practice, and I think very genuinely. So he doesn't necessarily place himself in the role of a, of a teacher in the traditional sense of kind of having all of this knowledge and imparting it onto the students, but he sees himself as um, an equal participant in the search for for knowledge and, and understanding. Again, such a, an interesting perspective in terms of uh, how he went about all of those things. One of the things I loved, and this uh, came from Bill Isler, uh, again, who really kind of managed the uh, the empire there, he talked about the fact that, uh, that, that Fred Rogers said that giving was a simple thing to do. Uh, because then you're in control. Um, you're totally exposed. You have to be a grateful receiver. And I thought that was a, an interesting take as well. Uh, but I want to go to this next piece from uh, Court Mann, again, talking about Mr. Rogers, that uh, he really he really was not one for small talk. Fred's interest in letters was really just an extension of his deep, deep curiosity about people. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to know why they were the way they were. Joanne Rogers told me, she said, you know, Fred was not one for cocktail parties because uh, he really didn't do small talk. <laughs> I thought that was a that was a pretty apt way of describing uh, Rogers. He had no interest in empty pleasantries. Uh, and I love that it was always about the uh, the deeper component there uh, that really mattered for him. Uh, and all of this conversation with Courtman is part of uh, Therefore What podcast uh, that we'll uh, post today as well. And just a, a really interesting view of all of this. But uh, I, I wanted to ask Court as we concluded, you know, what, do, what should we be thinking differently? What should we be doing differently as a result of learning all of this uh, about Fred Rogers? And uh, here's, here's Court's response. Well, I guess probably the most succinct way I could say it is that our words matter. Rogers understood that as good as anyone ever has. Working on this piece, constantly thinking about the way that he approached communicating one-on-one has made me reflect a lot on the ways that I communicate with people one-on-one. You know, a lot of my life is involved with mass communication, being a journalist. And um, there's been times where I have thought in the moment, uh, how would Fred Rogers respond to this? And sometimes I've taken that to heart and I've, I've responded in a way that I think Fred Rogers would be proud of. 
and other times I haven't. And uh, the difference for me now is that the specter of Fred Rogers is there kind of looming over <laughs> these communications that I have. And um, so I think ultimately our words matter and Fred Rogers and his approach to the letters helps us really see the impact that we can have if we really treat every piece of one-on-one communication as valuable and um, impactful and significant. Again, big thanks to Court Man. Great piece. You can read that on Deseret.com. We've got it posted on our website, uh, on our uh, Facebook page as well. And words do matter. And whether it's politics, whether it's dealing with children uh, the way that Mr. Rogers did, uh, or where it's whether it's helping people turn their lives around, uh, our words do matter and we can make a difference. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back. Joseph Grinney is going to join us from the Other Side Academy celebrating their fifth year of operation. Many lives transformed. You want to learn all about it. Stay with us. Coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.